Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. We talked to Bob Irving today about the Blue Bombers back at the practice field as they get ready for the West Final of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Then the MJHL report heads to Swan Valley. We talked to Kate Ween's athletic therapist about why she's passionate about helping people heal their injuries. And finally, Curling Day in Canada. Mark it on your calendars. It's in February. We'll tell you what it is and why you could win some real nice prizes. The Briar Tankard could come to your curling club. Find out more on the podcast. For the next three nights on the sports show, it's going to be very football heavy because guess what? There's a pretty big game coming up Sunday in Regina. Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are back on the practice field today. Both teams were and were joined by Bob Irving, who was at practice today for the Blue Bombers. Bob, how was practice today? Well, it was kind of uneventful, Christian. It was a, a real a light practice, I would call it. Uh, Mike O'Shea said on our weekly show last night that he was going to make sure his team was well-rested after that uh, hard-fought game in Calgary on Sunday. And they were out there for about an hour and a half, but they didn't run anything very strenuous. They didn't do a lot of the one-on-one team drills that we see in a normal practice. So I, I think they took it pretty easy. Mike O'Shea is a strong believer in resting players. I think Christian, as you know, and have heard all season long and all the time he's been here, you know, it's one thing to, to practice and practice hard. But uh, at this point in the season, especially when the guys have been through six months of kind of grinding, you know, the old line that uh, your head can tell you what to do, but your body can't carry it out if your legs won't let you. So he's a strong believer in that. And, uh, and of course, we keep an eye on Chris Strebler and he was not in uniform. All the other players were. They had their jerseys on and helmets and everything else. He was out there in a in sweats and a, a winter jacket and a toque. But he was out there for the whole period and took some snaps, too, I think just for fun. He was limping. We could see that. Uh, but move, still moving around in the field and uh, not limping as heavily as perhaps uh, we had seen him shortly after the injury. So I would say that's a pretty good sign for, for the weekend. Well, Mike O'Shea has often said through the season when somebody's battling an injury and they might be, you know, a game time decision, so and so doesn't need to practice. They'll be yeah. fine. And for Chris Strebler's sake, there's no point if he's got, you know, a limited amount of what he can do, they don't want to put any extra pressure on that right foot. Well, what's the point of having him take snaps? We know he's gonna be running the ball. He knows what he's gotta do, so does it really yeah. do him any good to practice? No, it, it would do him far more harm than good if he had practiced today. I don't know if any of the players really need practice. You know, football is a is a game where practice makes perfect, or so they say. But at this again, at this point in the year, you know, the timing and the pass routes and all the rest of it are pretty well down to a science. And I guess you always want to work on your techniques. The coaches will tell you that you never want to stop working on your techniques. Uh, but here, this late in the year, I think the value in all of that is fairly minimal. You know, and uh, they're out there going through the game plan as much as anything and, and understanding some of the plays they're going to call on offense and on defense. And if there was any doubt that Chris Trevler was going to play, I, I think the doubt was removed today. At least it was for me, and I didn't have any to begin with. Uh, but the fact he was out there and just watching him, he looked like he was having fun to me just being on the field. So he's clearly preparing to get himself ready to play just as he did last Sunday. Are these few days going to drag for the players? I don't know. I don't think so. I, 
you know, I think they needed some time to come down from the emotional high of the win in Calgary. And believe me, that was an emotional high for them. So that's Monday and uh, as part of Tuesday. Now you're back to practice today. And then Tuesday they started preparing. Actually, Monday they started preparing with video for the game with Saskatchewan. But, uh, you know, now you can sort of ramp it up for uh, for the game in Regina on Sunday. So, yeah, I think they'll be uh, they'll be well prepared and they'll have gotten over the excitement and the emotion of beating Calgary and try to get back to that level again when they go to Saskatchewan this weekend. So the way this week works is they have today kind of like a walkthrough, like you said, kind of a glorified walkthrough. Tomorrow's kind of the one real practice day then? Yeah, I, I would think so. And and Friday too, I think uh, Friday will be a, you know, that's a that's their closed practice. And I, you know, I think they'll do some things there that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have seen today or would see tomorrow I'm not quite sure. Mike O'Shea's got them listed. They sent out the schedule today, and he's got them listed for an hour and a half on the field tomorrow. Uh, and again, you know, a lot of that is running through special teams drills where basically most of the starters just kind of stand around and watch. So I don't think any of them will be particularly uh, grueling or, or fast-paced. Maybe periods of Fridays will be, and periods of tomorrow's a little bit. So Again, it's a matter of uh, just honing things down and, and, you know, making sure that you're physically, physically ready to go into Regina on Sunday because the Riders haven't played for two weeks. And you talk about energy and, and you know, being well-rested and all the rest of it. The Saskatchewan's going to have an edge, as I think the Bombers had an edge on Calgary last weekend. Now, these two teams played in the West semifinal last year. Uh, yep. But that was Brandon Bridge at quarterback right. for the Rough Riders. It's going to be Cody Fajardo. It sounds like he's going to be able to play. We'll hear from Fajardo later on in the show. We got audio from Riders practice today, but he did some light throwing today. Yep. Is there anything there for the Bombers can take away from that win last year and apply it to this game? I don't think so, Christian. Well, you know, they've and they've played them three times already this year. Four if you count the preseason game right. this year, and then you go back to last year's. Uh, West semifinals, so they know the Riders uh, pretty well. Now, Saskatchewan does have a new coach this year. They don't have Chris Jones anymore. Craig Dickinson is, you know, he's made some subtle changes, but their defense is, is still what it was uh, with the addition of Micah Johnson and a couple of other guys. They have a very good defense. That's really, to me, been the story of their year, along with Fajardo's kind of arrival as a star quarterback. But their defense is good. I think it's better than Calgary's, as a matter of fact. And their offense is pretty good. They've got a couple of major threats in Shaq Evans and Kyran Moore. And, you know, it comes down – and they've got a better running game than Calgary has far and away. William Powell is a terrific back. So it comes down to Fajardo and whether or not, uh, you know, he's able to function at, at his full capacity. Uh, the one thing he did against the Bombers, and surely they've learned by now, is he beats them with that little spin move in the pocket when they get some pressure on him. He kind of spins away from the pressure and runs for – significant yards he rushed for over 600 yards this season so I think they know him very well and the fact again that they've played each other so many times uh, you know as they say there's not a lot of secrets at this time of the year although having said that what the Bombers did on defense in Calgary certainly threw the Stampeders off and Calgary said after the game you know they did some things with their defensive schemes that uh, that really created problems for us so uh, you know, again, do we give Saskatchewan a bit of an edge in that regard as they've had lots of time to prepare? Probably a little bit, then we'll see if it makes a difference. But, and we'll get you out of here on this, the Stant, or the Riders only faced one Winnipeg quarterback this year, and that was Chris Streveler. All three games, right. it was Chris Streveler. 
now they're going to see Zach Caleros, their former teammate, and it's a completely different look for that team to prepare for. It sure is. And uh, we had a long scrum interview with Zach Caleros today, and one of the things he said, and I was a little surprised that he said it because, you know, players will often, when they're asked about playing their former team, are you a little more motivated against your former team? They'll just pass that off and say, no, no, it's just another game. I'm over that. It's a long time since I've been there. He simply said, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't. I I wouldn't be honest if I said I wasn't a little more motivated to play them. And then he was asked to expand on that. And he says, now is not the time to talk about that, which, you know, led you to maybe suspect that there's, some animosity beneath the surface there about the way he was handled by the Rough Riders. And that's just me speculating, but just the way he said it, you know, it left you wondering about that. So, yeah, he'll give them a different look. And uh, it sounds like he's going to be particularly inspired to maybe show the Riders that, uh, what, they gave up on him a little bit too soon. I'm sure Bombers fans don't mind to hear that, though. Oh, no, no, no. And when I say gave up on him, he was injured, and so they went with Fajardo. Uh, But then they... You know, traded him to Toronto, and it, it, you just get the feeling that something happened there that that bothered him. And I don't know what it would be because Craig Dickinson is really a classy guy, the head coach of the Riders. So anyway, uh, Claris has a bit of a burr under his saddle, and uh, you know I think he's going to go out there and, and try to not just help the Bombers win the game and achieve their goal, but to show the Riders that. You know, he can still play top-flight quarterback in this league. Bob, I appreciate your time as always. Anytime, Christian. And this time of the week means it's time for the MJHL Report, which takes us to Swan Valley to learn about life as an athletic therapist in the MJHL. Kate Weens is the athletic therapist and equipment manager for the Stampeders and joins us now on the show. First off, how long have you been in this role in Swan Valley, Kate? This is my second year with the team, but my first year as a certified athletic therapist. Okay. Why did you decide to get into this career path? I've always had a passion for healing injuries. And once I discovered that this was a profession that I could be in, I I pursued it pretty quickly. And I'm pretty happy where it's taken me so far. Um, I love love, um, dealing with injuries and it's not like I like to see people get hurt, but I love the process of rehabilitating them. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's a weird position to be in, right? Because you, you never want people to be suffering or be in pain, but at the same time, that's where you step in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of an inevitable thing that comes with the sport of hockey, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to rehabilitate and see the progress that everyone makes once they've gone through it all and getting them back into what they love to do which is playing hockey in the NJHL. Have you ever had to deal with a bad injury of your own? Uh, yeah, I've had a couple injuries that I don't really need to go too much into detail about, but I've definitely suffered a few injuries and had to go through the process of getting my muscles and ligaments and everything stronger to just to return to everyday activities and especially back to sport. And did you, during the process of, you know, rehabbing yourself, is that where you kind of figured out you wanted to do this? I've always had a passion for it since I was a kid, even when injuries happened, watching TV, like watching hockey and football, that kind of stuff. I always wanted to see more, but I've definitely discovered a new passion for it after rehabbing myself for sure. And is hockey the sport you always wanted to get into? 
Yeah, I've always dreamed of, of working hockey. I've played it since I was a young kid, and I absolutely love working with hockey players. It's a it's always a new experience. Every day is a new day to see something and learn something different. Are you invested in the win loss record of your team? Are you a, do you cheer as part of this, or is your strict focus rehab and and helping people deal with injuries? Um, I'm not so focused on the win loss record. I mean, it's a lot of fun to win for sure, but I will say I I clap on the bench when we score, and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. What are the most common injuries that? hockey players deal with um without giving specifics sorry um a lot of shoulder injuries for sure (laughs) and that's just from contact yeah it's typically from contact or falling into the boards or that kind of stuff right typically from a bad hit or just an awkward hit even okay the nature of your job i assume you have to deal with you're tasked with dealing with concussions and you haven't been in the industry a super long time to say, you know, how it's different now to where it used to be. Uh, But what kind of support do you have in your job technologically to help you diagnose concussions? Uh, The MJHL uses an app called HeadCheck. It's through a company that developed it in BC. Um, So we can do baseline testing with each player before the season starts. And then if we think, if I think there's a concussion suspected or anything along the lines of symptoms or any sort of mechanism of injury, we can go into that head check system and do another test. And it can, it, it um, compares the, like the, the test that we currently did to the baseline test and tells you better, worse, same, that kind of idea. And then if there's a suspected concussion, I send them to the doctor and the doctor will officially diagnose or not diagnose a concussion. The technology is is there and advancing for sure. Does that make your job easier in that specific regard? Absolutely. It's so convenient to have this app. It's on my phone. It's password protected under all sorts of um, personal health information act laws. So Everything is private. I'm the only one that has access to it. Having it on my phone is definitely a convenience. Are you from Swan River? No, I'm from just south of Winnipeg. Okay. In Glenley. Okay. And you, I guess you didn't really think about which team. It was kind of who had an opening? To some extent, yeah. I knew about Swan River, and I was intrigued. So they were definitely a team that I was interested in working for. What's it like to be able to travel around the province with the team and kind of see spots that maybe you didn't see a lot of in the past? It's really cool to see different areas of Manitoba. There's certain places that I've been to that like the further south teams like Winkler and Steinbeck. I've been to those cities before, but it was really cool to see the northern areas like Ocean and the Paw. Um, We went to Flin Flon for an exhibition game to play against the SJHL, which was really cool. Um, Verdon and Weiwei, all all the areas around here are all really neat. And you get to see just what junior, junior hockey means to these towns in Manitoba. Yeah, they've got a huge support system for sure. Now you mentioned the SJHL. You've been uh, named to work part of the uh, MJHL-SJHL showcase coming up uh, as part of the support staff. So what will that be like for you? That's going to be a really cool experience to see the talent that comes from the SJHL and even around from the MJHL. It's kind of hard to watch other players while we're in the game, but 
it's going to be really cool to see some of the talent that comes out of both leagues. Well, Kate, I appreciate your time today and uh, have fun doing what you're doing and best of luck as you go forward here. Thank you so much. Curling day in Canada, still a few months away, but with winter arriving across the country, what better time to get you set for the season by talking about this Curling Canada initiative. And joining me on the line is Brody Bazinet, the founding manager for Curling Canada. Brody's Curling Day in Canada, is this a new thing? It is almost new. Last year was the first year that we ran it. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a bit of a surprise in terms of how incredibly well it was received across the country. We, you know, it was everything we had hoped for and a bit more. So we're really excited to be running it again this year on February 22nd, uh, 2020. So what was the theory behind launching it in the first place? You know, it was really about, it was, it was a way to encompass everything that curling represents. And so... We have curlers of all ages, um, spectators that are passionate about our game. And uh, this day is really about celebrating them and their connections to not only the sport, but to the sporting community, to each other, and and how they sort of choose to bond together during the curling season, (laughs) highs and lows, and, uh, and sort of they're just a very unique group. So what kind of feedback did you get on this? What kind of stories were told in the first year? Yeah, so we received uh, close to 300 story submissions, uh, and they, there's two types. So you, can, you can send in submissions as an individual or as a, as a curling rink, a club, um, for different prizes. But, you know, the stories are all really about the people and the connections, and so we have stuff that's about four generations that are all curling together, uh, about love stories and, you know, romance at the rink and weddings, uh, lifelong friendships. Lots of stories about outdoor, you know, sort of homemade curling, uh, curling rinks so that they can bring all the neighborhood together to curl, uh, lake curling, and then a bit about, uh, about the travels. You know, people have been able to make connections around the world through this sport, and I think it's one of the common themes that come up is just these connections and friendships are so integral to, to our sporting community. So what are you asking people to do this year, and can they win prizes? They can, absolutely. So we're asking them to share those exact types of stories. We want to hear from you. We know what's happening uh, at every club and, and in the backyard curling. Like people are out there doing the curling thing, and so we want to hear from it. So there's individual entries. You can have curled, you know, every week for the last 40 years or have curled once or are just a passionate fan. It doesn't matter. You're part of our community, and we want to hear from you. The uh, cutoff for those is, is Curling Day in Canada, 3 p.m. on February 22nd, and the prize for that particular entry is um, a trip for four to the Tim Hortons Briar uh, in, in 2021, and sort of all-inclusive close, all inclusive closing weekend trip. Nice. Yeah, it's a good one. The uh, club entries, those ones, the cutoff for that's a bit earlier. It's January 24th, and uh, the reason for that is the prize for that story submission is to actually host the Briar Tankard at your club on Curling Day in Canada. So send those submissions in and and you're sure to have a couple of Briar champions accompanying that Tankard trophy out uh, to your local club uh, for your Curling Day in Canada celebrations. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Last year, it went to Unionville Curling Club in Ontario and was accompanied by Jeff Stoughton and Nolan Teeson. Nice. So Manitobans going to the uh, Ontario there. Uh, so what uh, what got you started in curling? 
Oh, what got me started in curling? Um, I have. I just believe in creating opportunities for youth through sport, which is sort of the driving passion of our foundation as the National Sporting Organization. We just believe in all of the peripheral benefits that are available once you're engaged in our sport. We're, you know, we're based on these friendship connections in our inclusive manner. And so if we can extend that out to more kids across the country and have them feel engaged and a part of this community, then, you know, that's a win in our books. As part of employment at Curling Canada, is it a prerequisite that you curl? It is not. Okay. Thankfully, <laughs> I would not want to be trying to earn this position based on my curling skills. Do you curl then? I do not. I have. I've tried. Uh, I've been out there a couple of times. Um, I'm a mom of a curler. My son has curled. Um, but it, you know, I think that's again part of what makes our our sporting community so fantastic is if you even just follow and love the game, we consider you part of our community. It's really, really welcoming. I know I, I've been a part of curling clubs in different cities, and there's never any judgment. It doesn't matter, right? You just People are so happy when pe- other people even try your sport, right? And I think <laughs> maybe that's the nature of curling is that, you know, the numbers haven't, you know, they're not spiking right now, let's be honest, but it's still an awesome experience to, when you ever hey, you have anybody new at a club, give it a, sh- a shot. And Almost always, you know, there might be a struggle, but they always have fun. Exactly. And there are a lot of stories that are based on that and the submissions we get for clubs that ran a bring a friend night and sort of just the hysterics that have gone on by getting out there and trying a sport that when you watch it looks like how hard can it be. But, mm-hmm. you know, once you get out there, if you're just bound to have a good time. And, I'll, you know, where you say that our numbers aren't spiking, they are where we're seeing growth is in youth participation. And so, again, like that's an area where we want to see our long-term growth and where we want to see our community heading. And it's why through everyone's curling day in Canada celebrations, we're also asking clubs to do a fundraiser, collect some funds to support uh, the For the Love of Curling scholarship program. And uh, just before we go, where can people submit these stories? It's very easy. Curlingdayincanada.ca. All right, perfect, Brody. I appreciate your time today, and uh, hopefully we get to hear some great stories. Absolutely. Thanks, Kristen. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?